copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Phoenix Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 166. Be on the lookout for a gang of safe floors known to be operating in this district. Pick up any suspicious characters seen logging near large stores. That's all. time after time about our sponsor's product. What stands out most prominently in your mind about Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline? Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline powers more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment than any other brand. That is to say, in the Rio Grande Territory. Yes. Mr. McNear, you've got detective's memory for details. Do you recall some of the cities that have used Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline? Well, Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, Fresno, Santa Barbara, San Diego. And last week you mentioned three new ones. Pasadena, Phoenix, and another town up north. One of Mark Twain's towns. Uh, Marysville, is that right? That's right. And the county? Oh, yes. Uh, Maricopa County, Arizona. Good. We mustn't forget Maricopa County, Arizona. Its set of cars serve a third of the total population of Arizona. And then there's Santa Barbara County, Orange County, San Diego County, and many, many others. Mr. Lewis? Well, Rio Grande cracked gasoline gives police car performance in any car. Right. There's one more thing you gentlemen might have mentioned. The patented Sinclair cracking process. Rio Grande cracked gasoline is the only gasoline you can buy that is refined for this famous process. It breaks up gasoline to finer atoms. Makes it burn more readily, more completely. The Sinclair cracking process is the reason for police car performance. It is the reason for Rio Grande's popularity among city and county officials. To our listeners in, let me suggest you try Rio Grande cracked gasoline. See your nearest independent Rio Grande dealer tomorrow. Tonight we take pleasure in presenting Captain John J. McGrath, Chief of Detectives of the Phoenix Police Department, Captain McGrath. Good evening. Tonight's famous occasion of calling all cars is a very good illustration of the reason why three times losing law was put into effect. It used to be that a criminal could go out and commit a crime, and if was caught, serve the sentence prescribed by law, therefore walk out of prison resumed his criminal activities at will. And knowing this, they figured that crime as a career was a good living, even their short interruptions of six months or a year in jail. But three-time loser law puts away different perspective of the situation. When a man has caught him convicted and the judge learns that it is his third offense, that man goes to Falston, and he goes for life. He knows when he goes that he has no chance of a parole. If this law has been in effect, when the chief criminal in tonight's story became to his operation, a great deal of time and money would have been saved.
Houses for burglary by Bakersfield, Southern County, Foster County, San Joaquin County, and Utah Police. Committed and released from state penitentiaries in Omaha and Milwaukee. From Folsom and McGill's Island for robbery and receiving stolen property. Return to McGill's Island in 1920 for post office robberies at Anderson and Slippin, California. Released in 1923 and three months later sent to Utah State Penitentiary for receiving stolen property. Thus is the record of 31-year-old one-eyed John Pagotti. When in the spring of 1927 he dropped off a freight train to find himself in Glendale, Arizona. Badly in need of some food after the long, cold boxcar journey, his first stop is a small, greasy spoon restaurant. Ham and eggs, a pair, straight up on the edge, pair to ham for a warm kitchen. Yes, sir, what'll it be? A cup of coffee to start with. One cup of java. Coming up. Hey, Eddie, how about a little turtle food here? Stay right with you. Hey, uh, Mr. Hey. You figured out what you want to eat, Jeff? Yeah, give me a waffle and a couple of strips of bacon over there. Two strips of bacon with a waffle under them. Make that bacon crisp, will you? Find the pig. That all you want? Yeah. Okay. Hello, fella. Why don't you come in? I just know what the chance of a little food. Sure. What'll it be? Same old thing? No, nothing. I think I'll have a little of your lamb stew for a change and coffee. Okay. Cook revenge on the dinner. Hey, Eddie, help Okay, George, sorry to keep you waiting. What can I do for you? Yeah. Mind if I look at some of that paper then? Huh? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You're making it hot for the bootleggers, aren't you? There's a couple of fellas got a year apiece today. Well, for bootleggers? Yeah. Boy, can you imagine spending a year in jail for something like that? <laughs> Anybody that's dumb enough to send a bootleg and ought to be sent up. Huh? What do you mean? Well, there's no big dough on that, Roger. Oh, I don't know about that. It seems to me there's plenty. No real dough. Yeah, I don't know what you call real dough, but I'd like to have what some of the big ones have made this last couple of years. Yeah, I can make more than those guys ever saw in six months. And I don't have to peddle liquor to do it. Huh? Oh. That's my business. Oh, oh sure. That doesn't mean to get personal. Yeah, that's all right. Just forget it. Here you are. Waffle and bacon with a bacon crisp. How's my stew coming? Oh, yeah. I'll look into that. I'll have it here in a second. Yeah, what does the guy do around here for excitement? Oh, a little everything. Most of the place cool down at the pool hall. Cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, I haven't got any pool for a long time. Well, I'm going down there tonight as soon as I finish eating. I'm going to drop in for a game. Oh, that is if you, if you want to. Yeah, I might do it at that. Yeah, if you want to. You can go down with me. I'll be through here about the same time you are. Okay. Sounds swell. I don't know nobody here in town. Just got in. <laughs> I kind of go for a good game of rotation. Oh, fine, good enough. Seems to get through, we'll go over there. Ah, oh, here you are. Cooked revenge, right out of the family soup bowl. Cooked to perfection and uh, a whole lot of things I can't think of right now. John Pagotti and his newfound companion, whose name he learned is Stanley Barofsky, walk into a small pool hall, engage in a round of rotations. During the game, Pagotti seizes every opportunity to strengthen his friendship for Barofsky. And at the end of the first game, when Barofsky suggests it is time for him to go home, Pagotti suggests they have a drink together first. And a short time later, the two men stand before the bar of a tiny speech. Well, here's how. Yes, right. <coughs> yeah, 
Not bad. Well, what it is, it's the best place in town. Hey, you lived here in Gender long? Yeah. Just long enough to know the town fairly well. You work somewhere? Uh, no. At the moment, I'm what you might call out of a job. Oh. Well, that makes two of us. I'm in the same boat. Oh, yeah? What's your business? My business? Yeah. What do you do when you're working? Well, I guess you might call me an explosive expert. That is, if you have to call me anything. <laughs> an explosive expert? Yeah. I guess I don't call you. You mean you go around blowing things up? Look, suppose we just skip the whole thing. You know, let it drop. You're a funny sort of fellow. First you make a crack about money over the restaurant tonight, and then when I ask you what you mean, you, you freeze up. Now you do the same thing all over again. You still remember that remark about Joe I made, huh? Sure, I do. As a matter of fact, I'd like to know what you meant by it. I'm sort of curious that way. Uh-huh. Well, uh, maybe if you told me your business, we could talk better, Mr. Rockhead. Well, no. Yeah, you see? You want me to spill all about myself, but with you, it's different. No, 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 not exactly. No, you uh, don't want to talk in this place, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Well, see, look, I got a room up a little hotel. How would it be if we went over there? Well, Jake with me. Oh, good. Uh, I don't know just why, but I got a feeling that bumping into each other the way we did was a piece of luck. Check. I got the same idea. Yeah, come on, man. Let's go out of here and go where we can talk without people. <laughs> A few minutes later in his hotel room, Sam Nikorovsky, 29-year-old Russian, listens with growing amazement as the guy unfolds his ideas on how to make big money without having to sell it. It's as simple as that. All you got to do is be careful and take your time planning the job. Then when you're all set, walk in and crack it. Yeah, but this is cracking the face a pretty hard thing to do. Yeah. I tell you, I can blow the door off one of them and it won't even bust anything. Just open the door and that's all. Sounds easy, but I don't know. Never heard of anything like it before. Yeah, that's because you're green. I'm telling you, there's no one in the country that knows more about soup and how to use it than me, Johnny Zagatti. You know, it's funny how I just figured you out tonight. All of a sudden, uh, I knew we were going to get together. It was, well, just like that. Yeah? Only we're not together yet. How do I know you'll go through with a job with me, huh? I don't know anything about you. Ah, listen, don't worry about me. I won't let you down. I'm not quite as green as you think. You ever been in jail? No. Oh, that helps. No busybody coppers out of the spot, you don't you? Yeah, sure. And I'm willing to take orders, too. Uh, up yeah. to a point. I don't know why, but I think you're all right. Suppose we get some sweet, and tomorrow we'll talk some more about it, huh? I got an idea that maybe you and me can make a nice bit of dough. But first, I gotta be sure. About you, I mean. <laughs> Apparently, Borofsky convinces Sagotti of his sincerity. For a month later, in a small shack on the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona. Now, here's the gag. I've got a joint spot to look right, but we've got a little dedication to do on it before we crack up. Okay. Where is it? On the corner of Kent and McDowell. That's pay and take it store. They do a good business. If I'm plenty wrong, there's a nice wad in that safe all the time. Yeah, but how are we going to get in? Well, i got that all figured. The cinch. The only thing we've got to watch out for are those merchant patrol guys. That's the first thing you've got to do. Hang around until you find out how many of them there are and when they make their round. And how do I do that? By using your eyes. Nobody's going to notice you. Get careful. And if they do, what do you think I got those deputy sheriff badges for, huh? 
All you got to do is strike your buzzer and say you're looking for someone. Mm, okay. I'll go over to town first thing in the morning. That's the idea. While you're doing that, I'm going to see where I can get a little macro and some shoes. That's all we need, the way I do things. Faithful of dough, little soup. My experience, and we'll be sitting pretty. Accordingly, every day for the following week, Barofsky loiters near the pay and take it. Keeps an accurate check on the merchant's patrolman's routine visits. While Sagotti secures the needed nitroglycerin and fuses. And at last, at 3 a.m., June 23rd, a large truck rolls to a stop in front of the store. Two men climb out, walk to the front door. You got the stuff with you? Yeah. Okay. Keep an eye out while I give you this door. Will you? Yes, sir. What is it? Uh, Jim, these two gentlemen are detectives. 
Uh, they want to ask you a few things. What? Okay. All right with me. Jim, I understand you opened up this morning. Is that right? Yes, sir. Did you notice anything unusual about any of the doors? No, sir. That is nothing except the Wait a minute. There was one thing. The front door seemed to be kind of loose on its hinges when I unlocked it. Well, loose on the hinges, huh? Yes, sir. Only... <laughs> I didn't think much about it at the time. Come on in. Let's take a look at that door. There's just a chance that we'll find some fingerprints. And we'd better call the station and get a description of the station. Start the boys out looking for it. All right. So the Phoenix police start the job of locating one missing face. Hope to find some clue as to the identity of the burglar. And two hours after his description of the face is phoned to headquarters... The phone in the burglary detail comes to life. Burglary detail, Wade speaking. Now, Wade, it's Morris. I think we found the missing face. Is that right? Where? Out here in the old schoolhouse. Good enough. Well, they need to grab the face long out of the chain. The door is blown up and the money's gone, but it's hard to hurt the face of that. All right, Doris. You stay there and we'll get out as fast as possible. Don't let anyone touch it. Might get some fingerprints. Okay, we'll send you. Formed of the discovery, Chief of Detectives John J. McGrath, accompanied by Wade, the detective Eddie Moore, rushed to the canal bank, make a complete examination of the blown face. But after a minute inspection, they find that there are no fingerprints, no clues of any sort that might help identify the criminal. The only thing that you agree upon is that this is the work of an expert. Accordingly, returning to headquarters, McGrath notifies all patrolmen to keep a sharp lookout for the suspicious characters, gives orders to his men to round up all known petty racketeers in the city. Try to learn if any newcomers are in town. But after two weeks of extensive investigation, the police find themselves with nothing to go on. No lead at all to the criminals. It is 2.30 in the morning, July 20th, one month after the pay and take robbery. In a small office located in the Sun Mercantile Company at 616 South 7th Avenue, two men converse in low tones. Listen to the high whine of an electric drill. How is it? All right. It's good, Hubbard. You got the crack soap? Yeah, off at the top where you're working. Okay. You know, I gotta laugh, but I think I will fool the cops in this town. That crack in the paper glass is about to pay and take a job. Haven't been done by a gang of East and South Rollers. It's about the police being convinced they've left town. Yeah, we've got them up a tree, all right. Yeah. Okay, Hubbard. Now. Well, then how come the suit's all run out? 
The Bonafide. Yeah, I see. That means we'll have to load her all over again. More time. Yeah, well, come on, let's get started. Doesn't look good as we're standing around here all day. Yeah, maybe you're right. I'll take some more soap and stuff it in the cracks. Make sure it's in time. I'll super again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's loaded. I need a few of them. Don't drop it.
Luther interrogating Borowski for less than an hour. Pete McGrath has him sent back to the jail. Brings in Sagari. Suddenly, the man eyes him. Then. Well? Well, how's Sagari? How do you know my name? Your friend Borowski told me. That's a lot more. What do you mean by that crap? Because I know all about you two. You mean to tell me that that guy squared on me? I didn't say that, only he talked. Well, a lousy stool pigeon. And I showed him how to make some dough. I'm the guy that took him out of the small time. So what does he do for me? He squawked his head off. And what can I do for him when I see him, huh? I'll put him somewhere where he can't get a chance to squeal on anybody else. All right with me, Sagari. But well, there's one hitch to your plan. Yeah? You are um, going to see him because I'm sending you up for a nice long search for those two jobs you pulled. And if you've got any idea that you're going to get out of it, just forget it. Because you're going right where you belong. Florence Penitentiary. In September of the same year, John Sagatti and Stanley Barofsky were sentenced to from two to ten years in the Florida Penitentiary. The Gutty escaped from the air in 1929, but his liberty was short, and he was returned in less than a month. Released on parole a year later, he lost no time in returning to his old habits, and in 1930 was arrested in Miami after being shot during an attempted robbery. Barofsky was also paroled but he had learned his lesson and is now living a respectable life somewhere in the Midwest. Thank you, Captain McGrath. Independent Rio Grande dealers had a good year in 1936. From all over the Rio Grande territory, reports show sales increases for both Rio Grande cracked gasoline and Sinclair motor oil. And the new year has started off most favorably. For all this, the Rio Grande Oil Company is grateful to you calling all cars fans who have shown your loyalty to the dealers making these broadcasts possible. We hope you will continue to derive pleasure from calling all cars broadcasts, and we hope you will continue to derive increased motoring satisfaction from the products of Rio Grande dealers. Rio Grande Crack, the gasoline of police car performance, Sinclair Pennsylvania Motor Oil, and Sinclair Opaline, two thoroughly de-waxed, de-jellied lubricating oils. Both refinery sealed in tamper-proof cans. Why not tell your friends about these superior products? We hope, too, you will continue to be entertained by calling All Cars News. That bright, newsy publication, so full of screen and radio gossip, detective stories, and other special features. It's about time for a new issue. Keep in touch with your independent Rio Grande dealer. The cancellation broadcast 166 regarding safe robberies. Suspect this case now in custody. That's all.
Hensley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.